Welcome to the Mr. Vincent Podcast, episode 105. I'm your host, Emmanuel Vincent, on this uh, nice Saturday in the fall. Um, I might just start putting out episodes, at least in the NFL season, on Saturdays. Uh, it seems like it's the best thing to do. Um, I get people have enough time to listen to the episodes and get ready for the games on Sunday. Um, and I usually do record on Fridays, well, at least that's been the case uh, the last two weeks. So, who knows, maybe I'll start doing it on Saturdays. But anyways, uh, this episode, uh, we uh, focused on uh, three games. Uh, me and the homie Eves uh, chatted um, last night. About three games uh, upcoming, slated for week five, including Chargers at Browns, Cowboys at Rams, and Bengals at Ravens. Um, some more things we discussed as well in this part, including that horrific uh um, contest between the Colts and the Broncos on Thursday night. Uh, yeah, it was just so funny seeing people's reaction on social media. Um, and then uh, the Russ Slater that was going on, it was, it was crazy. So we touched on that a little bit. Uh, more things as well. Uh, and actually, we can get into this pod right now. Here it is. I mean, I figured we could start with uh, the game of 1 o'clock, Chargers at Browns. Uh, the Chargers season, I have the Chargers going into the season to win the AFC West. It's not panning, it's not panning out so far for them, primarily, I would say, due to injuries, um, key, at key positions, including the offensive line, the quarterback, and the uh, running game has been abysmal. Um, key wide receiver rules are out as well, too. Um, but they have a chance, I think, this Sunday – to get back on the right track and take advantage of this Browns team who has been pretty pathetic, to say the least, in the fourth quarter in the last few games. Uh, so what's your thoughts on this game? Um, yeah, going into this season, I didn't – I actually had the Chargers finishing second in the AFC West. I didn't think um, much was going to happen with the Chiefs as far as, like, the AFC West. Uh, I, they did lose Tyreek Hill, but I, I still knew that they were going to be a really good football team, and I had them winning the division. I also had a bunch of reservations about the Chargers. I had them primed as a team to regress, especially, like, offensively. The, the A big problem, and I talked about it a lot last year. I'm not sure. We didn't do too many. I don't think we did too many mods when we talked about the Chargers last year, but – a big problem with that offense is like they don't really have a deep threat. And sometimes people don't really understand what that means. Uh, Mike Williams, he does average like 19, 20 yards to catch most seasons. Like it's like absurd. But the thing with him is he's, he's a, he's a more of a, he's a, he's not a vertical threat as much as he is a guy who wins at the catch point downfield. So, the thing with what a what what speed does or a true deep threat does is it forces safeties to get depth because oh it's like if this guy gets over the top it's a touchdown and that when safeties have to get depth that opens up the middle of the field that opens up the intermediate areas of the field where guys can cook underneath and that really hasn't been easy for Herbert in that offense especially considering like their run game they're dead last in the NFL in rushing right now Dead, they're first in passing yards, last in rushing yards, which is hilarious. Um, they don't really have the run game to make guys take like a false step. So I I was ca- telling everybody like they need to get speed. They didn't get any. Um, and they've regressed somewhat. They, they were a top five offense the past like two years. Right now they're sitting around like 11th or 12th. Seattle is ahead of them in terms of points scored per game, which is absolutely like crazy. Um, I think, I think, they they got like some work cut out for them. They lost Jalen Guyton, 
their their fastest receiver. He's out for the season. Keenan Allen's been hurt. He just they just announced that he's going to be out for this game. Uh, their their left tackle Rashawn Slater, he tore his biceps against the Texans um, last week, and <laughs> it's it's going to be tough for them going forward. So it, this game is like going to be interesting. I do I do think the Chargers are going to win this game. The 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 Browns is somewhat of a mess. We'll see how how well that run game that that Browns run game looks against the Chargers. The Chargers are definitely better defensively this year over last year. There's there's a lot of like there's a lot of stuff going on and things that that the the Chargers got to figure out. Yeah, I'm surprised you I'm surprised you weren't high on the Chargers with the additions of like Joseph Day and uh, and Mac in the offseason. I mean, because because that, that run defense was abysmal last year, and I think that those additions would have helped. I've solved that problem at least. But you still weren't high on mm-hmm. them. All be primarily because of the um, lack of an offensive like deep threat. Yeah, I, I thought I think I think the thing with that offense is a lot of their like bigger plays develop late in the down. Um, it's a lot of Herbert um, dodging yes. the ruck, allowing guys to get down the field, and him throwing the football after holding it on to for a long time because he has that kind of arm strength where he can like laser it in there even if they're really far downfield. Uh, what, generally, like you saw in the game against um, KC. Exactly. Generally, you don't want that to happen. Uh, like Tom Brady's having a tough year this year, just with all the injuries. But like last year, he was like leading the league in terms of like explosive plays. But he was also was like leading the league in terms of like the quick, like one of the, he was one of the leaders in terms of like quickness, getting the ball out from like the pocket. Um, what you really want is like your explosive plays. Like you want your your quarterback to get the ball out of his hands quick. You know, see it, throw it. Receiver gets it. And then he'll get like that 20, 30, 40 yard, uh, 30 yard play. But with with Herbert, it's like the opposite. It's for he has to hold on to the ball by time for for players to get get downfield so they can generate big plays. And that's not something that's like reliable. That's a lot to ask for like a quarterback. It's not really something that you should do because it can lead to one, it can lead to your quarterback taking a lot of hits. And two, it's just not very consistent. Um, I, I do think they need like a deep threat. I do think that they need a run game to, to at least try to get those linebackers to like come up and like take like a false step. Uh, they that offense is like they're kind of playing in a phone booth because say, they're just, <laughs> safeties. Are, yeah, they, they are. They're playing in a phone booth because safeties are not afraid of what these guys can do over the top. Um, you know, they're. It's kind of a thing where, yeah, Mike Williams can can beat one on ones like downfield, but it's like a safety's not worried about Mike Williams getting behind him because he doesn't have that kind of speed. Yeah, no, no you're absolutely right what you said. But I mean, you could say that at least when it pertains to this game on Sunday. I mean, the Browns are they are getting um, Garrett back, but Clowney is expected to miss the game, still recovering from the ankle injury. So their pass, their passing could be, I might convert to their advantage this Sunday. Certainly, that could continue to go on that trend. Um, what I don't that, to tilt the to the in their favor to get that W on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think the 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 Bengals, the Browns, sorry, the Browns are going to be um like a good, like legitimate, like threat to to the Chargers. I just don't see enough out of them in terms of passing where I'm like truly like impressed. They're they're in the bottom quarter of the league in terms of passing, which is which is expected. It's Jacoby Brissett. Um, he's not that good there. I think they're number two in the league in rushing, though. We'll see how that, like, turns out. Um, this will be a very real test for the Chargers um, defense. 
they have improved. They have improved. They're not like dead last in terms of like points allowed anymore, which was definitely like a thing last year. I think they're second. I think they're like 30th right now, which is still pretty bad. Um, there, I don't think their rush defense is as bad as it once was. They're about middle of the pack now. So that that is definitely something that they can like, I guess, look forward to to having like a, a bit of a better, 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 um, better game versus like the Browns, but they beat the Browns like last year and the Browns are running all over them. I don't really expect much to change. I think, I think the Chargers win that game. Yeah, you are, you are right. They are, they are 30th right now in a point is points per game at 27. And last year you are right. Um, Herbert did light them up last year, uh, for 300, 398 yards and four touchdowns that yeah. can possibly be replicated. I would think the Sunday, but I don't want to say the Browns that can happen to be competitive is that run game. Arguably the best run game in the league outside of Oh, yeah. Game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb, that that guy is probably the, one of, like the best pure runner in the league. Um, it's it's going it's going to be like a lot. <laughs> they, they got their work cut out for them. Uh, the Chargers defense does. But I, I'm confident um, that they're going to win that game. Do you still think that the Chargers can? Sorry, the Browns. Do you still think that the Browns can stay relatively relatively competitive in the AFC North by the time Deshaun comes back? Which I believe is Week Thirteen. Is he eligible to play in Week Thirteen? Is that it? Um, say that for me one more time. Sorry about that. Is it uh Week Thirteen that Deshaun's eligible to return? I believe so, because I, I believe he come he could come back after Week Eleven, and then they have like a bye, and then he so I so it would be Week Thirteen. Okay. So do you think that they can, like, as long as they stay afloat, that they can make a push to potentially even win this division so far with how the league's playing out? I mean, it's early in the season. We're going into Yeah, it, 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 it's it's super early to say. I don't think they have, like, a chance of winning division. I, I'm just going to go ahead and X that one out completely. Uh, could they make a push for, like, the playoffs? Potentially, that is possible. Uh, people thought the AFC West was going to be on on another level, and that hasn't really been the case so far. We'll see, like how what happens with that. The, the the Raiders, I think they well they obviously haven't been very good. Um, they did win last week. We just saw what's going on with the Broncos and how bad that has looked um, for like through like the first their first five games of the season. And I think the Chargers are can make some noise, but they're dealing with a a lot of injuries of a lot of key players. Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa has a groin injury, and he's probably going to be out eight to ten weeks if he comes back at all. Um, he's also had, like, an injury bug. J.C. Jackson has had, like, the ankle issue uh, that he's had since the beginning of the season. He's been um, he's been hurt, and I think he's only played one game this season. He came back, and then he missed, like, the next week after that. The week I think it might be the next two weeks. And, you know, it, it's getting tough. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> they, they definitely have a chance, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's not that's not like the NFC where the the playoff pitch is relatively wide open. Like the it, the, the spots are pretty much, I think, like solidified in the AFC. Just a matter of seeding. So yeah, it will probably be tough for the um to win the division. But I mean, I was going into the season like you know where everybody's making like a, a big hype about the uh, AFC West, and rightfully so. And it was looking like it was going to be a stout division. Had so far hasn't turned out to be the case. But I was thinking to myself, I I, don't, I think the AFC North is not that far off, considering that you have Burrow. Um, you would have Deshaun eventually and Lamar in the same division. Yeah, um, the Steelers had Trubisky, but at the same time, um, um, Tomlin has never had a losing season. 
which probably will end this year. But but before this season, he never had a losing season in his tenure with the, with the Steelers. So I, I feel like that's going to come to an end. I feel like that's coming to an end this year. Absolutely, it's coming to an end right now. We we've seen enough already. The offensive line is just so bad. Like uh, people, a lot of a lot of people were taking. You know, <laughs> were thinking that they were going to try to get maybe be a little bit above like five hundred. And I was just like, I don't see it, dude. Yeah, and then and then and then the white injury was just um, like it was just a yeah was, they've like, been they they've been like god awful on the field like I don't and then then Najee Harris he was like a lot of people liked him for for fantasy this year and then a lot of people are like just getting rid of him because he's hasn't been able to do anything behind that off that offensive line. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it sucks, but I mean, I guess this is the post. Big Ben era, so they got to like do something and establish a quarterback for their future. I don't know if I mean, it's yeah, he's having he's he's averaging three and a half yards a carry. I think he's got like maybe like one touchdown off the top of my head. Like it's not it's it's been bad. It's been bad. Yeah, it has been bad. So yeah, so we're so we're both in agreement though. We have the Chargers winning this game on Sunday. We do. You have a score. I'm going to go with the Chargers 28 and the Browns 24. All right, cool. I'm going to go 24-17 Chargers. All right. Damn. Yeah, so, hey, hopefully I'm right. But uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk some more. All right, so game of the week should be uh, Cowboys at the Rams um, at SoFi. Now, it's kind of kind of boggles my mind right now that the Rams are favor are favorites to win this game currently. But what we've seen so far for them this season, and what we've been seeing with Dallas without Dak, with Cooper Rupp and his, and his replacement, even though it's really the defense that I, I should be like you know praising in this moment, I'm kind of shocked that they're the favorite right now to win this game, the Rams, um, because they are looking like the uh, the perfect like example of a Super Bowl hangover right now when we've seen so far being two and two. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I don't really think of it as a Super Bowl hangover. I think of it as, as more of just a roster attrition to be perfectly mm. honest with you. Uh, you know, the left tackle, he retired that that was a big loss for them. Their protection just hasn't been the same this year. Another thing is just the run game hasn't been hitting. It's that's kind of been like a common thread for them. I would say over like the past like year and a half, that McVay system is built off of the run game. Like what, and it's kind of funny, like how Jared Goff has been playing well in Detroit. It's because of like the play action that Detroit has. And that, that play action was what really drove those early Rams with when Todd Gurley was in his prime and that offense was really cooking. It's kind of with, with Stafford there, they've kind of turned into like more of a standard, like drop back uh, more of a traditional team, like out of gun. And I think the big problem for that team is they don't, they don't have like the offensive line to protect those like deeper drop backs. So it just hasn't been looking good. I also think they, they, they definitely miss Odell Beckham. Like that Absolutely. Thing. The thing with Cup, um, the Cup is a great receiver, but he kind of is like just very good in his own lane, which is essentially out of the slot. Out of slot, they, they can't really move him. They let they play a lot of three by ones. They can't move him away from the three by ones, so he can carry the coverage away from it, so that those other guys can cook. They can't put him on the line of scrimmage. 
they need they need Allen Robinson and Matt Stafford to find a connection so that they have that emergency button that they can hit on the back side away from those three by ones to keep that offense on schedule and it hasn't been working. So honestly, I I actually think that the Cowboys are gonna upset these guys. Um, on the other side of things, Michael Parsons is one of them ones. Like I I honestly um I I do not think he, he he's a human being. I think his parents are lying. They <laughs> they dead ass. They they uh, they saw a comet. They went into a cornfield. They found a spaceship and there was a baby in it. And they raised it and called it their son. Michael Parsons is not that. That kid is special. He is one of one. Yeah, um, generational, generational talent for sure. Definitely. Do you, do, you think, do you say the same sentiment as Stephen A. Basically saying he's like the second coming of LT this early in his career. Um, you see I, that? I think I think the thing for him is most. So he's basically he's, he, you can you can put him at inside linebacker and you can put him at edge. Cowboys have been using him at edge, which I didn't think they would because of now they're going to have to pay him more than they would if he was an inside linebacker. But fair enough. Um, I think most of the times, um, good line. So there's three phases of the game for a linebacker. There's stopping the run. There's being able to cover, and then there's being able to blitz. Um, good linebackers have one of those traits. Um, great linebackers have two of those traits. Micah Parsons can do all three. That's not normal, man. That kid is not normal at all. At all. Um, I do. I think he's been, I mean, that, that Cowboys defense has been top five. They even without some like they they're not generating turnovers at the same rate they were last year. Um, you could say Tr- Trayvon Diggs um, is better this year than he was last year. He is not getting as many picks, but his coverage. Um, he's, he's, more, he's, he's playing more discipline. I like yes, that. he's playing way more discipline, not taking as many risks, which I thought he would. Um, he's, I knew he was going to take less risks as he saw more reps. Uh, I think they're going to win this game, man. I think they're going to they're going to they're going to get an upset because that defense is nothing to mess with, and you know Cooper Rush. Um, I don't think that he, you know the his you know that his glass slipper will probably turn back to just like a regular slipper at some point, but I think he can keep that offense on schedule. That that Rams defense has kind of been it's kind of been Aaron Donald by himself, and yeah. it's just like well, it's one of those things where. If there's not somebody else who can take advantage of like the one-on-ones he generates, it's like that defense looks regular. Jalen Ramsey has been somewhat underwhelming this year as well. Like I think I I got the Cowboys stealing this one. Yeah, like yeah, fair, fair to say. I'm not sure if I'm gonna pick the Cowboys just yet, but um, you mentioned they obviously missed Odell. How about Von Miller? So I think those guys were two key components of the Super Bowl run that they had last year. Now gone, and they virtually weren't replaced. This season, I think that's hurting them too right now, Mr. Von Miller. I mean, we see what he's doing now in um, in Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not having Von Miller has been huge for them. Huge for them. Um, I think, I think I thought Bob, getting Bobby Wagner, I thought was going to be better. I thought they were me too. Dub looks a mugged up look is when have um, their linebackers covering the guards. So when. Mm-hmm. Your linebackers are co- when the linebackers are up covering the guards on the line of scrimmage. Your the quarterback or your center, whoever does your protections, has to account for them in your protection scheme, and then you can kind of like simulate that you're rushing five when you're really not, 
and a guy can get a guy can you can keep a guy in and um, your the offense will keep a guy in where they weren't where they weren't going to before, and you can end up having more players on the back end. I thought I would see more of that. It hasn't really been hitting. Um, they haven't been they haven't really been getting much pressure um, outside of just Aaron Donald winning his reps. But the whole point is that if he's winning his reps, they're going to throw more guys at him. Two guys, another guys to chip. And the other guys on that defense need to be able to to take advantage of the fact that they're getting one-on-ones because he isn't. And it hasn't really been happening. That defense just hasn't been hitting like it was last year. Yeah, definitely. Like, like, that's like so much of a burden on Aaron, on Aaron Donald's shoulders right now. We're just saying that, that he's not capable of carrying it, but it's just a lot to ask, ask for. Absolutely. Um, I think I think one thing that I would say the Rams have never um, been afraid to make um, trades before the trade deadline. I would not be shocked if they try to go do something. Honestly, I think Robert Quinn over in Chicago, given that he was drafted by the Rams, he has like some familiarity with the organization. Maybe they go and swing, try to swing a trade for him to go get another pass rusher to bookend with Aaron Donald that can that that can take advantage of some one-on-ones. Yeah, they, they, they're going to need it. Let me ask you this question. So, I mean, I mean watching throughout this early on in the season so far, he's just like so uh, – staff is so cup-centric. It's like it's like he sees nobody else, no other receivers on his team uh, but Cooper Cup. Now, a lot of – now they have Allen Robinson, but a lot of people are saying that he's not getting him involved due to lack of reps with no, with no preseason action. Or then it's also like – uh, saying that it's mainly Robinson's fault because he's not getting open. So, what are you saying between um, their their connection right now or their lack lack thereof? Is a better term. I think I think for one, I think that that Allen Robinson isn't like a great separator, so that's that's a thing. Maybe Stafford's not used to that. Stafford is somebody who does like to like lock in on his guys. Um, he's shown that in the past before with like Megatron. Um, I, I think they need to like work on like their timing and figure out. And I think Stafford needs to figure out that when, even if he's covered, um, Allen Robinson is like still open because he's kind of like what Mike Williams is, where he's a ball winner. He's a guy where even if he has like a, a defensive back right up on him, he's going to go up and get it. So I think they needed to work on like that timing, work on that connection. Um, it's kind of one of those things where they didn't play together in like preseason. So they're trying to like work stuff out right now. And maybe, maybe they'll catch fire during like the middle season and start to get into a groove. I mean, they did lose a whole bunch of games in a row last year and took it to like the Super Bowl. Um, McVay is a smart guy, so maybe they'll like work it out, but it's not looking good right now. And it's definitely like looking tough. I'm I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to hold you. I had the 49ers winning the division before the season. Um, that looks like that is what will happen based on what we've been seeing so far. But, you know, there's there's definitely work to be done. and He needs to look for Allen Robinson more, or maybe they got to go see if they can get Odell Beckham Jr. to come back and see how healthy he is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing talks about Odell, like possibly um, linked to Buffalo, Green Bay, even Kansas City. Um I, I just feel like with Odell, I mean, I could be wrong, but it just seems like he likes he takes like his environment into consideration as to where he want to be, meaning like location, L.A., great weather. He seems like an L.A. He has that L.A. vibe. So I feel like I mean they, they should really go hard and trying to like resign him. Do you right. know when it, when it'll be available to play again? Like by by what? Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm not sh- I'm not exactly sure. I would think 
he would be available like around like week week nine, week eight, week nine. Um, he did get her. He got her in the Super Bowl, so that that's yeah, like, exactly. That's pretty. That's a pretty short like turnaround, but. I would say like eh, maybe we'll like, we'll go with like late November, so like maybe like around like Thanksgiving, I could see him um, coming back. But it looks like he's taking his time. Yeah, but so he did say, and it, and it was the same one that he told previously as well. ACL. Yep. Yep. Now, but I don't know like how significant the tear was. Was it a partial tear, complete tear? Because that would probably play a um, that would probably play a factor into the recovery. From what I understand, from what I understand, and um, I didn't look too much into it, but I believe he got um, like the first surgery that they had on that knee wasn't great. So, no. um, but they, he got a more like complete repair this time. From what I understand. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So I was going to that's going to be interesting to see where he's going to land. And we talked about the Dallas, the Dallas defense. Um, it's elite going going up against a battered O line and the, the Rams. I believe Stafford's already been sacked like a, a, a lot this season. I'm not sure the exact number, but he's been taking a lot of hits so far, and so we can't expect them to win that matchup. That O line to hold to hold up against this tenacious um, Dallas defense with Parsons right. and Lawrence and everything. So yeah, I mean, I would probably say the Cowboys. Uh, and see, I, I I hate I hate having the pick the Cowboys to win a game because I'm just tired of the Cowboys fans. Like, you know, we don't Mac and everything. <laughs> Absolutely. It's annoying. And they're coming at me like, you're trash. I'm like, well, honestly, I'm not I'm not too surprised. I said after the first, after week four, they'd be one and three at best. So that is what it is right now. You know, Cowboy fans are. I mean, they yeah. Have, I, mean, I, was, now. I was saying um, that the Patriots, like, winning, like, nine games at absolute best. Absolute best. So, I'm never one who like has like any illusions. <laughs> Same here. All right, so I'm, I'm gonna go with a score that Dallas of uh, 21 to 13, favor of uh, Cowboys. Yeah, I'm gonna go with 21 uh, to 18 on this one. Yeah. yeah so all right. Uh, so we got the nightcap on Sunday: uh, Bengals, Ravens. AFC North battle both teams standing at two and two. Uh, I think it's a critical game. I think it's a critical game for both teams. This can, this game can have ramifications down the line in terms of seating. Um, I and we know how just atrocious the Ravens' um, pass defense is, particularly in the secondary. And we know at the same time just how bad the O line is uh, for Cincinnati. So mm-hmm. this is going to be an interesting uh, contest when you um, put those two um, things into the equation. Uh, so what are you looking for right now in this game? Um, it's a lot of interesting things. So I think clearly, clearly the Bengals um, started out rough. Um, they started to get done some things figured out. Uh, their offense is really static. They don't like a lot of different looks, um, especially like during like the course of the game. It's like they pass out a shotgun. They run from under center, just like period. And they don't, they don't do a lot of motion. It's, they if they were really like relying on explosives last year, and it seemed like the whole league watched like a lot of tape, and they said, "Oh yeah, Joe Burrow likes to hunt big plays. They don't they don't want to take their time, so they started playing a lot of shell coverage versus those guys and forcing Joe Burrow to dink and dunk. He didn't want to do it, so he ended up trying to he ended up throwing a lot of picks and taking a lot of sacks because he holds on to the ball to hunt big plays a lot. Um, they they started to they started to mix up their bag a little bit, especially in like the last game. Um, they packaged up some plays, did some 
you know, she runs at a shotgun using like some gap scheme, use some motion. And then they kind of went back to like their like standard stuff. So hopefully they can mix up their bag a bit um, against like these Ravens um, because the Ravens are no joke. Um, I, I think, I think as, on the other side of the ball, the, the, the Ravens are kind of going through some, some serious growing pains defensively. I honestly think um, the new defensive coordinator, McDonald, he's doing too much. Um, I think he needs to simplify things a bit, especially for like some of those younger players so that they're, they're maybe they're not thinking as much and they're not getting caught flat footed on some of these concepts that he's putting in there. Um, On the other side of the ball, it's kind of like in Lamar, they trust (laughs) Um, uh, Lamar's carrying that offense a lot. Um, J.K. Dobbins has been back and he's been really effective, so I I, I would look for that to continue. Um, I, Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman is is one of them ones. I mean, they need to get him more targets. They need to design more offense around him and really get him going. But I think that kid can really play. Um, that Bengals defense is like really really well coached. They uh, they when it comes to like game planning, especially like in game adjustments after like halftime, they're they're one of like the top three in the league. In my opinion, so I think this game. I think this game is going to be tough. I think the Ravens. Um, I think the Ravens pull this one out. I think. This oh, wow. game, I think this game will be close, even after like the past two weeks where the defense has definitely like let the team down late in the game. I think. I, I still think that the Ravens are gonna gonna pull this out because like I, I still believe in Lamar, even with the late pick um, he threw last week. Um, that he probably shouldn't have thrown. Um, I'm, I'm confident in him. Oh wow! So you got so you got okay. So you, so you're confident that Ravens going to pull this out? Yeah. Um, uh, so where are you at right now with Lamar? And are do you think that Lamar has done enough to like justify well to like justify him like being like one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid? One thousand percent. He carries that offense. Um, he like does. He would not believe. Um, I think Roman has improved a little bit this year, but it's still very much Lamar carrying that offense in almost every single way. Um, without him, that in, that entire apple cart would tip over. Um, he's like the key to everything they do. Um, he's been, in my opinion, the best the best player in football this year. Um, outside of like maybe like a couple like mistakes like here and there. Um, I do know MVP is very like wins driven, and you know he had that show exactly with Josh Allen, and he and he lost the game, um, which is fine. But I I I have no questions about if it was me, I'd I'd pay him whatever he wanted, just to make sure I had him on the dot to have sign on the dotted line for for like the near future. Like he's he's that he's he's him. No, he's definitely him, man. Like, I mean, we talked about this last week, too, to be covered the Cupid Day game last week. That, you know, I was wrong about him. He's, he's, he's proven me wrong so far this season. I mean, even, like, even like towards the end of last season, this season, he's proven me wrong. Like, he, he's not actually do more than any quarterback in terms of carrying the burden for the entire offense that he does. Um, right. You know, because he got the legs, plus he got to throw the ball, too, being a quarterback. So yeah, it's great. Now the the Bengals though, right? We talked about a Super Bowl hangover. There's no there's no real Super Bowl hang, hangover with the bit with the Bengals because I mean, let's I mean, if we be honest, right there, wouldn't you say that last season that they probably were like a year or two early um, from arriving to the to the to the big stage? I yeah, they're I like. yeah they're a bit early. Um, they had a ton of luck, a ton of luck. The the AFC North had so many injuries. Um, a lot of the teams that they played with they. 
lot of injuries and it kind of just like set things up as to where they were able to go on like that magical run. I do still think they're a very good team. I do think they do have some like build great building blocks in place. I think Joe Burrow is just like trying to figure out that like, Hey, where we can't get all these explosives all the time. I'm going to have to learn some patience. I think, I think he can. Um, I think he, he has like the mental capacity to read these defenses. He's just got to get out of like a little bit out of that personality he has where he like looks to make the big play that I think that willingness to hold on to the ball, to try to get, to really like make the other team pay is like a good thing, but it can also be like a bad thing where you end up like taking sacks that you don't need to. It's like, Hey man, just get rid of the ball, live for another play. Um, I think he's starting to starting to get that more and more every, every single week. Yeah. I think, I think early on, well, I think last week or the week before, I think you, you say, I think I see you tweet something basically like a lot of the, a lot of the, while the old line isn't like holding up doing too much by holding the ball too long and being, relatively indecisive, kind of like he's, like, anticipating the hit instead of just actually being yeah. the quarterback and doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, the thing the thing with him and it's kind of like, oh, I don't want this check down. Oh, I don't want this intermediate throw. I want to I wanna hit the big play, and he's trying to hold on to the ball to let it develop, but then it leads to him, like, taking sacks, whereas maybe, like, someone like Herbert is the exact opposite. Herbert is, like, you'll go through his progressions really quick. And if he doesn't see something, he'll, he'll dump it off. And then it's kind of like they're almost kind of opposing things where Herbert needs to be a little bit more aggressive and Burrow needs to be a little bit like less aggressive. And I, you know, it's one of those things. Like I, I feel like the real, the a really good thing to like, look at is like your, your quarterbacks, like yards per attempt last year, um, Joe Burrow led the league in yards per attempt. And I was, it was like, I believe it was like, a little bit over eight yards. And I was like, eh, um, you know, but Patrick Mahomes was like, like eight yards, but he had like Tyreek Hill. Um, so that's like a thing, but um, you really wanted to like be more around like seven and a half. Cause that's where, you know, like a guy, he's not pushing a ball all the time. He is taking like those like check downs and, you know, take those easier yards and then coming back for like the next play rather than hunting like a big play and taking a sack or throwing a pick or something like that. Big facts. Yeah. Now, I, I would think that part of that is having a, a stud at the wide receiver like like Chase plays a factor to that. If him is one that, you know, always go for the, the big play. When you got, like, a, a talent like that, I think he was yeah. the one to, like, take advantage of it. But sometimes a little bit too much instead of, like, trusting, like, to check down the intermediate those which is available right there. So I mean, I it's kind of one of those things where everybody, everybody, like, has, like, their weaknesses – um, Joe Burrow is like is lights out versus the blitz. He's lights out versus like versus single high. His numbers were not um, great against Shell last year. Teams had a whole off season to watch tape and figure out his tendencies. And ever since ever since the season started, teams have been putting a roof on that offense, saying, "Okay, like if you you want to play, like you're gonna have to dink and dunk and move the ball." with like 12 plays, 14 play drives and then and then score a touchdown whereas you were like doing it in like 8 to 10 last year. Good luck with that. And it didn't look good early in the season. He's gotten a little bit better like the past couple of weeks. Um I th- again, I think he's a smart quarterback. I think he's an accurate quarterback. I think it's just a matter of him just figuring out 
um, what he can and cannot get away with. And I'm confident it'll just be, it'll just be a rough work in progress. We'll see. I think there'll be that offense will be back. Um, maybe I don't, I don't think they'll ever be, um, as explosive as they were um, last season, um, anytime this season, but I think they'll they'll be humming maybe by like mid to like maybe like the second quarter to like the third quarter of the season. Okay, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I figured that they were going to take a step back um, this season. They, they weren't going to, you know, um, I kind of thought that they were a year or two early, and that's I think that tends to happen with teams when they arrive just a little bit too early. They tend to take a step back. So this is what was expected from, from me. I thought yeah. the O-line would be better, though. I thought it would be better. Than, than yeah, I do. I think I think there might be something wrong with Lyle Collins. He hasn't really looked like himself. He might be hurt. I'm not sure. Um, but it's also the thing with, like, offensive line is the line has to be, like, a cohesive unit. And, like, a lot of those guys, like, I think three of their starters are new guys. So that's going to take a while to gel. Also, Herbert, I'm sorry, uh, Burrow's style of play doesn't really lend itself to an offensive line being able to pass block well, so that's also a thing. So, we'll, you know, we'll give it some time. We'll really be, probably have it better, like, figured out maybe by, like, week seven or eight if this is, like, a thing that's going to, like, continue where, like, they've just given up so many pressures and the offensive line isn't playing well. Mm. All right, yeah, that's definitely something to, to look at. So okay, so you have the Ravens winning. Oh, what a score! What score you got? I got the I got the Ravens winning thirty four to thirty. Oh wow! Okay, I'm gonna go twenty eight twenty four favor of Bengals. Man, listen, last season Burrow lit them up between two minutes of them, but the, the Ravens totaled nine hundred and forty one yards, seven touchdowns, and that what I'm seeing right now from that secondary, <laughs> it's just so bad. <laughs> Yeah, so they've been I'm, I'm playing with, like. Uh, so I'm thinking with Higgins and Chase, that that'd be enough for them to escape Baltimore with a W. Yeah, um, it's one of those things though. Where they again, like you put like a roof on that offense with like some like shell coverage. Things have definitely like looked different, but we'll see. All right. Uh, yeah. So I want to ask you too. Um, I, I I don't know why I waited to the end of the pod. Okay, should have got out of the way. Uh, the game uh, last night <laughs> between the Colts and the Broncos. Did you watch that game? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, unfortunately, right? You watched that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just so funny seeing everybody on Twitter's like reactions to how like like calling it like probably the worst game they've ever watched in their lives, or like in the last twenty five to thirty years. I'm just saying they're like, this is really, really bad. Like, what's going on? And then Russell Wilson, man, uh, listen, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, he might have been, he might be the quarterback who needs to be in the ideal situation to succeed. Or maybe he's regressed a little bit because he's getting up there. But this is really bad so far. Maybe your fans are booing, leaving early. They didn't even stay for OT. A lot of fans are walking out before OT even tips out. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, I, I I I saw this coming. Um, I did. Um, oh, I did uh, you saw it coming. So, yeah. Let me ask you: what, did, did you have the Broncos finishing last in the AFC West? I had the Broncos and the Raiders battling for like the third spot in the AFC West, and whoever loses would get finished fourth. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, had, I had Broncos as fourth. In the, in the thing, the thing for me, um, well, because I knew. I knew that that Broncos defense would be good. Patrick Satan is going to be the best quarter in the league um, in like a year or two. That's not even a question um, for me. Um, 
6'2", with his kind of size and his kind of movement ability, no wasted movement. Um, it that's special. It's 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 crazy to see. Um, and then that defense as a whole has been like pretty good. They've been that they've been keeping them in games. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson doesn't play well from the the, the pocket. Um, he's short. He can't really he can't really see those windows all that well. He doesn't throw from the pocket well. What he always tended to do was he would use his mobility to get outside the pocket, change some of like those those throwing lanes, and that way he could throw to the middle of the field. But for the most part, Russell Wilson hunts. He loves he loves like he hunts the big throws deep and outside the numbers. He doesn't throw to the middle. He doesn't throw like to the intermediate all that well. Um, that offense that he's in. That is exactly what they're trying to get you to do. They want you to throw to those intermediate levels. Um, all the shell coverage around the league now um, with the two high safeties, you have to be able to read it out and throw to the middle of the field. And if you can't, and he can't do that from the pocket, he has declining mobility, he has to get outside to do that. Like, how is it going to work? Um, also, like the that zone rush, that zone running offense, it needs to be executed from under center. But the big problem there is, again, Russell Wilson doesn't throw well from the pocket. So it's like they can't the action from under center on those wide zone runs. So it's like when they do go under center, the defense it gives the defense a clear indicator, like, oh, they're probably it's gonna be it's gonna be a toss or he's gonna hand it off. Like if if he goes ahead and tries to dial up some like play action, we'll like live with it because he doesn't do it well. So I I saw it coming. It's a square peg and a round circle. Yep, it just don't. I don't. It does. It doesn't fit. Like he, I I found it very interesting coming into the season. He was talking about wanting to be like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. It's just like you are not, you are not like those guys. It's not like he's dumb or something like that. Um, it's just you're like throwing to the middle of the field, reading things out from the pocket. That is not your game, bro. It has never been your game. Um, I don't know how that's going to be fixed. Maybe they can put in some more like RPOs in there, but um, it hasn't looked good. I knew it wasn't going to look good. Um, I don't know how much it can change this season. Um, yeah, I mean that two hundred forty-five million dollar contract ain't looking too good right now. Yeah, I mean, and and um, the Seahawks are looking like they're okay. Well, I mean, Geno's because yeah, because Geno can run. Right now. It's very funny because. Um, Russell Wilson left the, the team because I guess he didn't like like the offense. But he he was the one who asked for like Shane Waldron, who was the offensive coordinator for Seattle, and Shane Waldron basically runs the same thing that Nathaniel Hackett is trying to run, and it's all of a sudden the offense works because Geno Smith can execute the offense as it's supposed to be done. Um, it was very telling last week. When after they win, when Rashad Penny, when uh, when he was on the podium, was saying it's like, oh yeah, it's nice having a QB who doesn't change the plays um, at the line of scrimmage, and like, they can run the offense. Like it's the the offense is is let Russ cook, and Russ is cooking isn't good. Like he cannot execute the offense as it's stru- within structure. Like he just can't. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, right. Like, he's never been a, a drop back, you know, stand in the pocket, make the throws. I would say nope. that his height plays a factor into that. 
his strength was like his mobility, but it looked like he's like regressed in that department. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's thirty four. It's like you you're not going to have that same kind of escape ability outside the pocket anymore. It just does. It stands to reason, which is why I don't know where things are going for Kyler either, because Kyler Kyler is almost like is is like the same player, which is again also why it's like if I if I if I had the number one pick in the draft next year, I am not taking Bryce Young because. Even though Bryce Young might be a better passer than actually like both of them in terms of like a pure pocket passer, it's like it's the same thing. He's going you're gonna have those height problems. And it's like you have like mobility, but he don't even weigh like two hundred pounds. And when you get outside the tackle box, you'll open yourself up to hits from like the defense. So it's like, nope, I'm not taking him. Even if I even if I'm wrong, um, I'm not taking him because it, it it seems very unlikely he's gonna have like crazy like winning success. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think height got to play a big factor. Height, height definitely plays a factor when you're talking about a league where everyone is going to like shell coverage now. Um, in the old, you know, over like maybe like the past like 10 years, because of like the Legion of Boom and the success of like single high coverage, mm-hmm. have a whole generation of quarterbacks who are used to seeing that. And generally, the whole thing with single high coverage is it's built to take away the run game. And then it, you have less numbers in the past um, to defend the pass. And it kind of creates binary decisions for quarterbacks. It's like you you go look for that because a lot of pa- the pass game is built on either manipulating the safety or safeties or looking for where the safety is. So it's like, hey, if the, if the safety or the linebacker is here, you throw there. Or, in there, or if, if it's the opposite, you throw there the opposite and now what's happening is a lot of these quarterbacks they're dropping back and then there's an extra body um where where they're supposed to throw and then they got to go back and check their work um they're either they're they're not equipped to make those decisions quickly and they're either taking sacks or they're throwing bad passes or they're forcing something so i don't know i don't really know where like the things go for russell wilson in this like current league because a lot of what he did was cooking against like single high safety safety looks, and he's not going to see those as much. Mm. Yeah, man, the, the league looks like the league just passed him by. Uh, hate to see, yeah. you know, there's always you know you can you, I guess you can evolve, but it is very late in his career. It's like you know, like nine, ten years. Like I don't, I don't know, we'll see. It ain't looking good right now. Definitely it. Uh, well, I mean, that's all. all right. I mean, we got enough, so we can wrap up this episode right now. Uh, yes, sir. The game and any plans for the games? Um, nope, nope. I'm just gonna be chilling, watching it. Um, I'm, you know, got some brunch plans Sunday morning. Um, going, you know, you know, and I'll be home watching all the games. I got NFL, um, NFL Plus, so I usually go back and watch the All 22 as well. So let me. So, uh, what's NFL Plus? Can you let me know like, what that what's included in that? It has, um, depending on like the tier of your account, um, I have like one that's like a full-on account. Um, you can watch all the games, and then they have like a condensed version. They have like just the broadcast version, and then they have like an all twenty-two version where you where you can see like the plays from like all like the different angles, so you can see all twenty-two players at once. Dope. Yeah. See like what the coverage is. See what what everybody's doing. Like it's really good. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, and, and then you said something else about brunch in the morning. Brunch cannot be in the morning. Brunch gotta be at least at noon. <laughs> well, I gotta Not do brunch, brunch in the morning. I gotta do brunch in the morning. 
um, only because I got to do it early because I want to be home for them games, bro. You know what I mean? You know, you know, so probably gonna, <laughs> you know, so 10, 11, get to get the brunch in and then be back in the crib by like 1230 so I can watch the games. I feel you. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the games yet. Uh, I, I think I, – I don't know. I'm not even sure if I'm working on Monday, so it might not be a long weekend for me, but I, I, I'm sure I'll figure something out for the games while I'll just stay home, order some food. Yeah, and I'm definitely, like, working, um, but I don't have school, so that, that'll be that'll be good. All right. Well, that, my brother, man, I appreciate you as always, man, um, and uh, we'll talk about the week on, uh, on on the socials. Absolutely. All right, my guy. Take care, man. All right, peace. And that is it for this episode. Thanks to the homie E's. Thank you to Anchor. And of course, thank you guys, the listeners, for your continued support. And if you also are new to this part and just tuning in, I appreciate you for listening and hopefully you'll stick around for the journey. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, as this podcast is available just about everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, at, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also keep up with me as well on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at MrVincent13. You can also like my Facebook page as well, too, Emmanuel Vincent. Uh, So that's it for now. Guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Long weekend for many as um, the holiday is taking place on on Monday. I don't think I have that day off, so that's unfortunate. But enjoy the long um, weekend for me. And uh, whatever you do, be responsible. Enjoy these games later for week five. See you all next week. Enough talk. We gotta stop this part. Right? <laughs> the 2023 NBA season kicks off Tuesday night. And listen, we're getting it out the way right now. All right, I know how trash the Lakers are. They suck. <laughs> I, listen, I didn't need to watch these, these couple of games to know that. I said going into the season, we're a playing team at best. I was being nice when I said that. Because, <laughs> and, but just watching these first two games transpire, I'm like, what the hell? Like, mm-hmm. I, I saw the starting back with Russ and Pat Bev. I wanted to puke. It's like, Doug, are you serious? And then we got Lonnie Walker in there with Braun and AD. It's like, Doug, like, this, this, this is going to be bad. I mean, the first two yeah. games, we can't hit anything from three. I knew there was a problem <laughs> watching the first few preseason games. Like, Doug, this is really, really bad. But eight, so between two games, right? 19 to 85, that's 22% from three. That is atrocious. In a league today where you live and die by the three, where the three point is so mm-hmm. prolific, to be that bad from three point range, it's only, it's only going to be disaster. It's only going to go downhill at this point. Like, I want, like, of course I want to trash the Lakers being a Boston fan, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, it's so bad. And, like, of course, like, we're we're fans of Russell Westbrook. We like Russell Westbrook, um, what he's done in the league and stuff like that. But to see it be this grim and this bad, it's like, yo. (laughs) Like, I I don't even want to, like, trash them. Like, it's bad. Like, from a basketball standpoint, it's bad. And it's just – and it's and it's funny because when I watched them in the first couple games, it's like their defense isn't bad. It's strictly their offense. Like when they get into those offensive sets, it's just a struggle to to uh, to watch them, to watch them play, to watch them set up. But it's like you can definitely see they're trying to tinker between the both games because in the first game it was like they were trying to run sets, 
trying to go through the motions and stuff like that. That didn't work. And the second game against the Clippers, which was just crazy, they just it was like just go shoot often, shoot early, <laughs> because that's the only way they can really get open looks and get good looks. Like that's the only way they can do it. And it's like they just don't have the personnel right now. They don't. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people kind of trashing Palinka, and rightfully so, I, I guess, from the standpoint, like, damn, you had an offseason to, you know, to, you know, to really evaluate this team and see what moves you can make in the offseason to improve, and he didn't really do that with me and Lonnie Walker, Toscano, Toscano Anderson, Pat Bev. That's, that's, not, that's not a dramatic change from last year, essentially. Mm-hmm, and now, mm-hmm. I will say, the first game, it's the Warriors, right? You're not going to see that. Yeah, 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 like yeah. <laughs> execute to a T the way they were doing they didn't. I would say the effort was better in game two against the Clippers, like you said. Like they, they were like energetic on the defensive side of the ball. But the counter to that is, hey, this is Kawhi's like first game back from when he got hurt back in the twenty twenty one playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. So easing back in, incorporate John Wall to the offense. I mean, let, let's, uh, that, that game with that lost by what six points. Mm-hmm. I can promise you, going forward, when they play again, it ain't gonna be that close. <laughs> like so, I. Like it's hard to cut you off, but I was like, I I never would have thought in like four years I would have been. I would rather see John Wall play than Russell Westbrook. Uh, I never thought I would say that, but like he had a good showing in in that game. So, um, kudos to him for staying ready and stuff like that, and just being able to. It basically, kind of, and especially, I'll let you continue, but just to make the Lakers kind of eat their words because they had an opportunity to get him multiple times and they didn't. So. Well, well, yeah, they wanted to, but listen, but I'm not, I'm not mad at them, and I see people like Charles Barkley saying Lakers are doing a disservice to Russ and to trade him, basically, you know, to take mm-hmm. him out of this miserable, miserable situation that he's in, and so forth. But hey, I personally do not feel I may be in the minority as a Lakers fan. I know mm-hmm. it's really, really bad. I don't blame them, but I do not think that we should give up our 2027 and 2029 uh, pick for Russ. Those unprotected first round picks in those two years because we don't have anything else. We already mortgage our future getting AD and then Russ. I mean, I actually did some research, so I looked back at what did we trade to get both AD and Russ? So with AD, we sent away Lonzo, Ingram, Hart, three first round picks, and two pick swaps to the Pelicans. Granted, we got a tip out of that, although mm-hmm. being it was a bubble, but hey, a tip in the States, right? Then to get Russ, what do we give up? Sent, K, sent uh, KCP. Kuzma, Harrell, a 2022, sorry, a 2022nd pick overall in the 2021 draft to Washington. Assets, more assets again we gave up. And look how, and this has been disastrous ever since. So, my thing is like, I know let's talk about them getting Buddy Hill and Miles Turner for us, but I feel like that's not, that doesn't really move the needle for the Lakers in the sense that it makes them a legit championship contender, which Lakers are all about championship or bust, including mm-hmm. LeBron, championship or bust. I think that that's going to make them like a, at best, a top six team in the West. Because this league is like the West, the whole league in general, I think is the most talented it's ever been. That I've ever seen I, in my life. I, I agree. I agree. So that, that's not an argument. They'll be a good team, but it doesn't make them a legit championship contender. So my thing is hey, play this year out, wait until next season, 2020, and summer 2023, when everybody's contract is off the books, except for Russ and AD and try to make something happen from there. Um, I agree because people keep saying all these trades, hey, trade from um, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, and I keep saying to people, I'm like, if I'm Indiana, I could arguably get more picks for these two guys. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Like, you can probably get more assets in those trades. Like, Buddy Heald is a guy that can get 20 points, shoots the ball really well. Why am I trading him for Russell Westbrook alone in these two draft picks? I understand people are saying, and I've talked to people, I'm like, who's to say the Lakers aren't going to be reloaded in 2027, 2029? LeBron's probably going to be retired. Anthony Davis is going to be there or not. And they're going to have cap space. They're in a different, they're a different plateau than what they were with, uh, was it Jim Bus? Jim Bus, the the son. Yep. Yeah. So in, in terms of management and marketing and all that stuff, they're in a different, completely different stratosphere than what they were a decade ago with that management team. So who's to say that those picks are going to be as valuable in 2027, 2029? Now, what you're saying about going through the season, I agree. Buddy Heald and Miles Turner aren't going to move the needle in terms of fit. They fit better because the shooters spread the floor. They allow Anthony Davis to move to the four uh, with yep. Miles Turner. So that's going to be a big plus because we know Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the five. Um, yes, that fixed it right there. But in terms of the overall roster, maybe, maybe that puts LeBron in a better uh, playmaking uh, position with shooters around him and Anthony Davis having spacing. Um, I think they said Anthony, he has no assist through two games, which is insane. Um, <laughs> but, um, just looking, I don't think I agree with you. I don't think they should trade in terms of what other teams are offering to them, like especially with Indiana. I don't think they should give up those assets because I think there's other trades that they can be made, and maybe we'll see towards the trade deadline what those uh, offers are in terms of what teams are tanking for. But in terms of what the Lakers are doing, that's been the reluctancy with management. They're like, we include one pick, but we're not going to include both. And I understand it from both sides where people are like, yo, this is a catastrophe. We need shooting. We need assets. But long-term thinking, it's like they're, they have ties to Kyrie Irving. Wait to sign him as a free agent. Russell Westbrook's going to be off the books anyway. You're going to have that cap space. And use those picks and probably in different deals or whatever the case may be. Maybe you do a sign and trade with Russ with a pick, whatever the case. I, I just think that the Laker fans are just like, we we knew what this was entering the season. <laughs> Looking at the roster currently constructed, you know, I Bonnie did. Walk. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like most people knew. So like a lot of people are clamoring and it's like, yo, we knew what this was going to be. We knew it was going to look bad. Um, even with all the optimism with Darvin Ham, I, I think he's going to be a good coach. Um, he's trying to make it work. You can see that he's trying to make it work, but it's like at some point the rubber is going to meet the road and it's not going to work. Like we know what this is going to be. It's going to be a car crash. And, and I think they should just go through the season, whatever the result is, um, see who you can keep in terms of Lonnie. Well, I think Lonnie Walker is a keeper. I think he's a solid guy. You know, he was in San Antonio, didn't really find his footing there, but I think his play style in terms of just being active and being, being an energy guy, for the Lakers, I think that's going to be important for them going forward. I, but, I agree. But in terms of, uh, I think Kendrick Nunn's also in the, uh, that could potentially be a bright spot. Like he can really, I think he's. Uh, people forget what he did because he fell out with the bubble and the heat and stuff like that. And ironically, he got injured last year. I think he knocked his. I don't know. I think he knocked his knee on a knee uh, a coffee table or whatever and got the knee injury that kept him out for the season. It's like what the hell. But in terms like the rest of the roster, like um. Yeah, I don't see like I don't see it. <laughs> so I, I think they should clear the books, like you said earlier, and and, and really just look to just try to see if you can develop Lonnie Walker with you guys, and just and just go into the off season, and and and, and that's going to be where the restart is for this franchise. Yeah, I mean, and God forbid if LeBron or AD 
has to miss any significant time this season. Oh my God, how ugly it would be! I mean, we <laughs> saw Anthony Davis fall, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's everybody in, and everybody in the Crypto.com arena was holding their breath, including me. I'm just like, oh my God, not again! Now he did come back into the game, but he mm-hmm, didn't look mm-hmm. the same. He was grimacing, holding his lower back, you know, just like showing signs of like that he was in pain. So I was like, damn, like I don't know what status for. Um, I believe they played tomorrow. I don't know the status of that. So um, and I'm, and but and then LeBron James, year twenty, right? Mm-hmm. You would think that they're going to add the minutes as the season progresses, and rightfully so. He deserves that. So if anybody deserves rest to lower minutes this season, it's LeBron James being a year 20. So you figure he's probably going to just offer of that alone. He's probably going to miss anywhere from 15 to 20 games this season. Mm-hmm. And then the AD injury history um, leads you to believe he'll probably miss anywhere from 25, maybe 30 games this season. Uh, mm-hmm. This season, which sucks, but it's reality. And I'm looking at this, and I think I have the schedule pulled up right here. So, mm-hmm. yes, they play tomorrow. They host the Trailblazers. Host the Blazers. Then on at Denver. Then at Minnesota. Then again, host Denver. Then host New Orleans. Then host Utah. This is going to be ugly, man. This, this, this is a brutal <laughs> schedule. I was talking to my man at the barbershop last night. I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. my schedule off the gate is brutal. He's like, no, y'all just suck. Suck. I'm like, we do. Two things can be true. I think I think it's definitely you can definitely see what the NBA is doing make the the uh, uh, I don't know how they create the NBA schedule but I'm pretty sure like they front loaded the Lakers contracts get the big premier games out the way and then it gets softer towards the end of the season where they're going to have cupcakes the schedule is going to be probably a little bit more spread out for them but in terms of like Portland's tough like I like what Portland did last night like Denver, we, they just beat the Warriors last night. Well, I'm pretty sure we're going to get into that. But it's like these and, – and what you were talking about, the injury uh, uh, history and the potential of missing all these games, it's like if the Lakers want to make the playoffs and make any progression this season, those guys can't afford to miss games. Like yeah. you you think in your head like, hey, LeBron's in year 20. We want to lower his minutes, um, give him a day off or two or whatever the case. It's like they really can't afford to do that. <laughs> Like, they, they can't. Even with Anthony Davis, like, yo, you cannot miss any significant time because it's like our front court isn't anything. Like, yeah, their roster is so bad. Like, <laughs> like Lonnie Walker's a bright spot. I still have hope for Kendrick Nunn. Like, Patrick Beverly, like, it, it depends on how his defense is and what energy he's able to give. But if he's not doing that and he's getting burnt on defense and he's not shooting the ball well, which he doesn't really do anyway, like, but, he's but in that – Uncontested three pointer. <laughs> he's on, taking man. them. He's taking them. He's wide open. I'm like, he got to hit one, and then he like, like it's atrocious, man. And to think, yeah, like, just and that's why that's why I said that like the Lakers with Darvinhan because he's uh, he's he's reportedly a defensive coach and stuff like that. You can see the defense there. It's there. I see the, off- I see the effort that I didn't see last year. Yeah, 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 game. yeah. So yeah. it's like it's like you see them even when they got down, their defense was allowed them to get back in the game. But it's like. Their offense is so atrocious that it's like it, it, it you can't, especially with LeBron being a year 20, um, Anthony Davis, no spacing. You can't every night. You can't keep trying to fight uphill. You can't keep trying to do that. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> and, I, and I think I saw I saw today, too, this morning that they brought in the Mo Harkless for a meeting and an interview after being released by the Rockets. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, again, uh, <laughs> And that ain't going to change much. <laughs> I, I, I laughed when I saw that because I remember, like, I was like, he was in Portland a couple years ago and he stopped shooting 
because he met his contract requirement of shooting 35% or something like that. And he literally stopped shooting for the rest of the season from, really? from three. Yes. Like you can look it up like a co- couple years ago, he stopped shooting threes because he met the requirement towards the end of the season. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so now they're bringing that guy in and I'm like, I, I don't know this guy as a shooter. I know he, I know he's a, as a defender, athletic guy coming in, but in terms of what the Lakers need, he's not what the Lakers need right now. So I, I I don't know what they're doing roster wise. I they got Matt Ryan, you know who they're trying to bring in. I think you you know his story from his background, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't know, like what are you guys doing? You guys should be trying to look for any trade for shooting, any guys who can shoot. Like even if it's in the G League or whatever the case may be, you guys should be trying to find top shooters right now. You guys cannot afford to bring in mediocre mid players to this roster like it's filled with them already you know what i mean so it's like you, you're doing a disservice to whoever's there it's like you guys can't you guys aren't, can't be in a position to tank because you guys don't have your draft pick it's like yep you guys have to at least be in the play <laughs> you know what i mean like you guys can't afford to lose and then like and people have thrown that scenario out there it's like if the pelicans even get into the lottery in that situation it's like we already see what their team is Yep. To add another young guy like that or a guy that can help their team or potentially they can trade the pick depending on where they land, it's like you don't want to give the Pelicans that option because you're going to see them in the West three times a season. So it's like you do not want to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, enough about these Lakers. Let's talk about this <laughs> team, the Celtics. Uh, 2-0 start. Um, I've been very impressed with what I've seen so far. How about you? Um. I love what I'm seeing in terms of I of course with coming into the season Ime Yudoka, that situation. Um uh coming in there with that. Uh Rob Williams going down before the season, Dino Gallinari getting hurt in FIBA. You're like, okay, <laughs> how many how many more punches can we take in um how is this gonna transpire? You know, you got Joe Missoula coming in and everyone's kind of questioning whatever it is, but the one thing that I thought that saved the Celtics was adding Malcolm Brogdon, um, adding a little bit more depth. So it's like we we, we have that. I think Malcolm Brogdon has been the biggest plus factor for us, other than, of course, the Jays playing pretty well, you know, playing. um, uh, I like what I'm seeing out of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum attacking the basket. Maybe that's just who they're playing right now, and they're playing with energy, and we'll see, of course, if they go back to iso ball or whatever the case may be. But the finishing that they're getting at the hoop, um, actually getting to the line, and it's only been two games, but, you know, that's positive things that we, we've been wanting as Celtics fans, as the league, whatever the case may be. We've been wanting to see that progression for these two, like getting to the line, attacking, finishing strong at the rim, and it looks like they're entering that in their potential, like their growth pattern. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I'm noticing is that we're playing with a, we're playing faster. Where, like I, I said last season, I felt like we would get the defensive stop and kind of walk it up and kind of not take advantage of these uh, transition baskets, easy baskets. I'm like, well, the Celtics don't get easy baskets. That was one criticism I had, I think, the league had last year against the Celtics. The one thing that we saw in the playoffs, they do not get easy baskets. Nothing's easy for the Celtics. So to see against Philly, them create havoc on the defensive end, getting steals, running in transition, against Miami, running in transition, pushing the pace, I think that's the most impressive thing that I've seen in the first two games with them. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you, I think you've touched all the points. Like, you know, coming into the season, being, like, blindsided by the scandal that Odoko's found himself in with the organization, 
um, dealing with the offseason injury to Gallinari and then the, um, the sidelining of um, Tom Lewis. You would think mm-hmm. that this team would have so much, but they they, they look like, especially their big three, I would say would be the Jays and Marcus Smart. They look like, 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 they look like they're playing like they took that final loss personal, right? Like, that, like, mm-hmm. like, they're, like they're extra motivated uh, to get back and then finish the job, what I've seen so far. Like, great defense. And then, like I said, I, I, I didn't watch the game last night because I was out, but I watched mm-hmm. um, the open um, night against Philly. I love how they were getting the ball, how they were, like, creating um, defense and turning into offense and being fast and killing them in transition, taking, taking advantage <laughs> of the speed that they have up against them. And, and then Malcolm Brogdon, too. You you so you can see just that one game, how much of a difference he makes. Having somebody off the bench that is offensive, that's able to hit an open shot, put the ball on the floor, make a play, and mm-hmm. also too play defense because you see what their problem was in the in the I would say in the postseason. Probably the biggest problem, or one of the biggest problems I see, I would say, was the fact that whenever Pritchard was on the floor, Taylor mm-hmm. tried to exploit him and take advantage of that mismatch, which is essentially the only mismatch they would have on the defense end. Well, Marker yep. brother, you're not gonna have that problem no more. I see my man yep. talking about yo, like yo, yo. After that, like the first like half, he was like, man, I think Pritchard lost a spot in the rotation. I'm like, yo, like, if Marker brother plays like this and is actually available to play, that might be the case. Yeah, uh, again, it's not like a. Of course, I like Pritchard what he does. I think he's a good passer. I think he's he's worked on his shooting. Yeah, but especially especially that defensive end of the floor, that's always going to be an issue just because he's undersized. Yeah. So when you when they signed Malcolm Brogdon, I'm like, oh, we're in business now because he he raises the floor of the bench. To just basically, hey, if you can create a shot in basically three point shooting, we saw that with Peyton Pritchard last year. We saw that with Grant Williams. Can you guys come in and knock down shots from three? That was the level of the bench. Now that you have Malcolm Brogdon, who can play with the starters as well, be in late game situations if somebody else doesn't have it going. If, if someone's in foul trouble, you have somebody that can come in at the guard position on the perimeter that can come in and hold the zone there, and especially on the defensive end. That makes our defensive defense in late in games and potentially with Robert Williams coming back, if Al Horford doesn't have it going, if Al Horford's tired, uh, if he's in foul trouble, you can go small with Tatum, Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, Mocker Smart, Robert Williams potentially when he comes back, and not really lose anything on the defensive end. So that's a major plus for the Boston Celtics. And I'm like, it, that was a big signing for the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, the only knock on, on Brogdon is his medical history. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, but if you could say, but my thing is, what I, what I thought that the Celtics were thinking when they went, went to acquire him is that, hey, we know that he has this history of missing significant games throughout the season, but we think that we're good enough to withstand that if it does come to that, we can be a top two three top two top three team in the eastern conference as long as we have them for the playoff run we're good and we don't really yeah, care about having and, home court advantage like deep into the eastern conference and they still have Derek white they still do have peyton pritchard you know mm-hmm. so they they still do have depth in the backcourt but he just raises the ceiling he just raises the ceiling of that team and of the bench and what the Celtics can do yeah. Like, and uh, how, what, what do you think about so far? Could you watch two games as opposed to me only watch one? Uh, is the coach named Missoula? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. He's been around the Celtics since, I think, 2019. They they kept him. I think they were uh, Utah was trying to also get him to join Will Hardy in Utah. But um, So that was a good move by the Celtics. But I think even, even though the Ime Yudoka situation happened and stuff like that, he was in training camp. Like, he was there during the offseason. So this was obviously uh, uh, implemented in place. So Joe Mazzula has been there as well. 
So I, I don't want to sit there and say that it's not Ime didn't have uh, his fingerprints on this, but Joe Mazzulla carrying it into the season basically – I think it's just the maturity level with the Celtics as well. Jason, Jalen, Smart, all these guys growing, being in the system, something that they've seen the success. You know what I mean? They've seen them get to the finals. So whatever they yeah. did in the off seasons in terms of obviously playing faster, picking it up on the defensive end, holding each other more accountable, everything looks good right now for Joe Mazzula right now. So he's he's doing a good job stepping in. And through two games, he's, hand, he's, hold, he's holding his own out there. So I can't. He's good with. Uh, I think he's good with the rotation. So I think he. I, I think he's doing a good job. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that coming into the season after we learned that um, Adoka would be uh, suspended for the year, that there's no way that that, that Missoula is going to, you know, try to like stare away from what worked last season and, and since he's been there, right? So mm-hmm. he's gonna, they're still going to be defensive minded. These guys, their big three has grown so much after going deep to the playoffs for several years and then finally get to the finals last year. They they know what it takes to win. It's just a matter of them executing it. And so, but the philosophy is not going to change necessarily, which is yeah, yeah. What have you seen so far? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then like though that's the one thing. Like we've seen their defense work. Like we saw over the course of last season, their defense is for real. Like it's it didn't falter. That's the one thing that didn't leave in the playoffs. Their defense was always there, so they can always hang their hat on that defensive end. But now to get that offense going, creating easy baskets, knocking down shots. That's going to be the progression. That's what, especially when Rob Williams is out, because I'm like, we're not going to have rim protection. So yeah. I want to see how our offense is the first 20, 30 games without him and and see if we are going to, if that was going to progress throughout the season. And, and the first two games looks good. Um, the um, the acquisition of, of Noah Bonley has been, it looks like it's pretty, pretty good so far too as well. Another active body on, on the glass. And, you know, something mm-hmm. that gets like, you know, played to like, you know, to take a couple of fouls if you need, if you need him to, you know, spell. Corporate and then potentially Tom Lord too when he comes back. So yeah, yeah. I, I like what I've seen so far. Yeah, I thought like I was like we need a big, we need a big. If I saw like especially with the Robert Williams injury, I'm like maybe we should sign the White House. But Noah Vonley has played well. He's earned that. He had he had a good showing in preseason and even hanging hanging with the beat a little bit in that first game, just hanging tough. He's undersized against the beat. He hanged tough and played good on the boards. And against Miami, he put in some good work. So it's like. If he's the third big, like I, I don't mind it. He's he's playing well right now, so that, definitely um, Brad Stevens has together a roster that seems to fit and get good quality guys. So that that's the most important thing for the Celtics. Hey, absolutely, man. Hey, uh, so let's take a, a quick break. I want to talk some more about the uh, opening week. <laughs> 